Welcome to Season 6 of Business Book Talk. Every week, we have a business book author talk about their book and discover why they wrote it. The conversations are casual in tone, but we try and dig a bit deeper into the subject of the book and discover the author's background and their core ideas. I'm sure you'll like this week's book, so let's get started. Hey, everybody. It's Bob again. I've got Serial Winner. Five Actions to Create Your Cycle of Success, and I've got Larry Weidel with me today. Larry, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. It's my pleasure. So, Larry, great book. You know, I was just flipping through it this morning. I get trapped with all these amazing quotes that are all through the book, and they just so seamlessly fit in with each chapter and each paragraph before them. So, so as far as like a, a popcorn approach to the book, you can definitely do that. Thank you. I'm glad that it uh, works that way. Larry, why did you think this was a, an important book to, to bring out right now? Well, I've worked with people for all of my life that, I, uh, that are going through the same things that I started out with, and that is trying to get a hold of myself, get organized for success. I went to college uh, second uh, in my whole generation, of all the generations of our families on both sides, it was... I was the second one to go to a major uh, college, went to Georgia Tech in Atlanta, and uh, then I thought I'd get the ideal wonderful job, but I got rewarded with a uh, a frantic, uh, round-the-clock, 80-plus-hour-a-week job in construction, but I felt like, well, okay, I'm working for my future, and uh, i got to pay the price in the beginning. And make a decent income, but then all of a sudden, out of the blue, something I didn't know I was supposed to control, the worldwide uh, uh, oil embargo problem came in in the early 70s, and somehow Jimmy Carter didn't handle that for us. And so the economy went down the drain. People could not get financing for houses. And unbeknownst to me, three days before Christmas, with uh, a wife did not who did not work outside of the home, a four a two-year-old boy and another one that was about four or five months away from being born, I was told that uh, they could, there was no money, no money to pay, pay for me. And uh, the week before, the guy that I worked with had told somebody that uh, I was going to be, we were going to be in business together for life, but I guess the economy, uh, economic necessities had hit him in uh, the previous week. And so I was thrown into a tailspin, and that's not unusual. I had, I was a high achiever uh, following the rat path that you're told, you know, study, get a job, work hard. But that's not good enough. You know, you got to look out for yourself because the economy, companies, there's instability in the world. There's changing, it changes inside industries, countries, economies, and people get crushed. In that thing, and you can find you can be a phenomenal person, but uh, it's like a jockey. If you're a great jockey, but if you're riding a horse, and all of a sudden the thing gets a bad leg and falls down, you're going to the ground. Is that's the way it was? Or like if you're driving a car, a race car, and the tire falls off, you know, you're going to go into the uh, side of the wall. So that's what happens to a lot of us in the economy. So it made me very sensitive. Because here I am, I was a high achiever, you know, president of my class, growing up in school and getting the degrees and uh, 
you know, prominent job. And then boom, overnight, I'm on food stamps and unemployment. Am I, uh, you know, desperate to feed my family? And so I had to scramble. And I found a lot of people go through that in their life. But I refused, you know, I took the time to try and find something I could get excited about. I got into financial services and a uh, niche in financial services and the planning side of it with middle income people. And that's where I've been for 40 years. And it's a growing industry. So we're always recruiting, training, and helping people that are good enough and driven enough to get their own offices and all. So you, they have to go through the same process that I went through of figuring out how you can get yourself mentally organized for success, how you can handle the problems that life throws at you. And over the lifetime, a cycle of cycle of winning revealed itself to me. And I felt like what a great thing to get out to this up and coming generation, uh, because these things uh, never change. And uh, once you get, it's not rocket science. Once you get somebody explain these things to you, you can do great things. And if fortunately for me, I had some great mentors and if they had not gone to the trouble of walking me through these things, I would have probably stalled out uh, early along the road myself. So there's a lot of people out there almost doing things. The world is full of people who almost do things. And what we need is more people doing things. And I thought this book could help. Well, you know, I got a lot. When I was going through the book, I really, really related to it a lot because I'm a real, you know, just get it done. Let's get started. We'll fix it as we go along. And then there's the the other type of person that they're, it has to be perfect before they can start. And, and gosh, it, it's so frustrating when I was the designer. Um, I'd be working with people and they're trying to perfect their logo. And yet they weren't out there networking. And, and I would talk to them. So, so, so how's business? Well, we haven't done anything yet because we don't have our logo because we haven't got a business card. Da, da, da. And they go down this path of unreality and say, dude, you don't need a business card. You just got to go out there and start talking with people. The, the, the brand and all that stuff, that's going to evolve and change over the years. So it's, it's really kind of irrelevant. So do you feel that people innately uh, use stuff like that as excuses not to move forward because they're just terrified of success or failure? That's exactly it. We don't know what we don't know, and we don't want to waste time. And most people who are motivated to do big things have a brain. They're not uh, airheads. So they can think of these, you know, they, they think about this stuff, but at some point, you've got to get a model to follow, and you've got, you need to have enough, you need to do enough research to say, this could work. You know, that's like plan A. Somebody's done it before. That makes enough sense to me. I know it won't work out exactly that way for me, but I can see uh, myself making this thing happen because I can see how they did it. I'm going to go for it. And then, you know, you give yourself the freedom to adjust along the way. But it, what gives you confidence is when you're following a general model or you're following someone who's had some kind of, of, of uh, track record of going in the direction you want to go. But it, it, you're never going to get it out because it's always different. I mean, uh, uh, the, the world changes. We're, we're different people. We have different skill sets. And so everybody's path is going to be different. But generally, what I've found is high achievers they just want you to tell them which direction to go. And you give them the direction, Bob, you know, like this kind of design, this kind of a logo, this kind of uh, thing's going to be good enough and we'll refine it later. 
You don't want, you can't refine something that doesn't exist. You know, you, you can't, uh, you got to write the play first before you could refine the play and uh, have your rewrites. And so at some point you got to dive in. But the great thing about that is by diving in and moving forward, you learn things that you would never learn any other way. And uh, so you got to get your direction, but you got to get going. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a lot of times when I'm working with with uh, new partners or, or people I'm trying to get moving. It's, yeah, we can do a business plan, but, you know, let's just sketch it out and then just try because nowadays things move so fast, you might be pivoting two or three times before you actually find where the market is. So what is the point of research and analyzing stuff too much? You, you know, I found this in... Uh expansion of off people would want to open a move to a new town and pioneer a new area and the first thing they want to do is go in and get themselves a uh, 5,000 square foot office and I said are you out of your mind I said you don't even know what side of town you want to be on you don't even know if you need that much space you know and here you're going to lock yourself in for three to five years I said go in there start talking to people see what happens get yourself uh, you know, some business, some noise, some chatter, and then then start thinking about getting a temporary space that you could, uh, you know, expand and, and grow. You know, it's a, and it's a similar type thing about moving forward in life. Mm. Well, you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, I used to be like that. It's like, like okay, I, I'm going to move to this, this, this part of the town or, or into this new city. And uh, uh, first of all, I have to have a space, and then there's all this the hassle around it. And all it did was slow my ability to actually function as as a business person. It's very ironic. Yes, you can spend your time on your business, or you spend your time in your facility. And uh, as soon as people get an office, get a thing like that, they it just takes up your time, and it diverts you. And uh, you know, those are great things to do when you have a staff around you and you've got business going and momentum. But in the beginning, you try and just get as few distractions as possible. That's what you, you want. Mm. Well, now, do you think this is a fundamental uh, psychological headspace of your average business person? What, are they doing this because, you know, why are they doing it? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And, I, and we're going to you know, step back in a second and talk about your system. But before we get into that, why do people have to have that office space? Why do, is it something innate in what they've seen on TV or what they've been told at university? What causes them to think that they need to do these things that actually have nothing to do with building a business? Well, it comes in with a fear of the unknown. They don't know if this is the thing they want to do. Plus, they, like you say, they may have read a book or they've seen somebody else or whatever, like, okay, I've got to get that office. And then they have a uh, misconception about what's going to make them successful. They think that the office is going to make them successful. Well, their office is not going to make you successful. You're going to make yourself successful. Your activity, your knowledge, your relationships, the things you can do for people, the things you can accomplish, that's what's going to make you successful. The other stuff is just housing. You know, that's just kind of support stuff. So you want to focus. You want to get out um, with people and uh, start to launch that way. Uh, and uh, the support stuff can can uh, be put in place much easier once you have your business, you got some income, you got some direction. Mm. 
So let's talk a little bit about the book before we get into your system. Um, it's it's broken up into. Let me just double check here. You have five chapters, and each chapter is broken down. And it's you know it's a short book. It's a quick read. It's a wonderful book to read, um, and it's very inspiring. But one of the things it says in the back of the book is, is like some people seem to always land on their feet. They always seem like a little bit lucky. Why is that? Is it just that you don't see how much time and energy they've they're putting into their day? Um, and you're just seeing the the success part and not understanding the amount of effort involved, or like you said, is it part of a, a system or strategy? Well, it's all of those things. These are people that have learned. It's 24 hours. We all have 24 hours of the day, and your success comes in uh, comes from what you get done during the day. And people that are high achievers, serial winners are people who have just learned how to navigate through life, deal with the things that happen, minimize the negative things, maximize the good things, and keep themselves focused moving forward on targets that are important to them, where they can be most excited, most effective. And uh, these is a lot. so much of this stuff are things that you learn. At, uh, we all have misconceptions and it's just like anything you want to do, you got to learn how, how, you know, there's, there's a formula, there's, there's, there's cycles, there's sequences, there are things that are more important than others. And winning is a cycle. Winning is a skill that you can learn. Another thing that really jumped out for me is you know, your winning cycle. Winning isn't the end, and I think that's a huge problem a lot of people don't understand, and I, I think that's a core a learning from this book. It's part of an ongoing, everyday thing. You may win um, a, a huge contract the day before, but when you get up in the morning, you got to start winning again. And I'm not saying winning on that you need another huge contract. You want to win with your family. You want to win on the way to work. You want to win when you meet new people. It's all about this continual winning, analyzing, and going back. Yeah, whenever you relax, whenever you stop, you go backwards. You know, it's just like uh, any kind of success, it, it's not a lifetime success. You're not guaranteed, you know, you're not, uh, elect, you know, unless you're a dictator of a country, even the dictators of countries are not there for life. You know, they don't last forever. Countries don't last forever. You know, they might go 100, 200, 400 years, but even countries, uh, maybe a thousand, but there's no civilizations that have been around for 10,000 years. So everything in life has a life cycle. And so if you, any thrill, any accomplishment you have, you need to enjoy it, but you need to say, what, uh, how did that go? What could I improve from that cycle? What now doors are opening up for me that things that I can do now that I've made it through this, this area? And, you, you know, the way you stay energized, fresh, and really, you know, like if you're, you're in a war and you take a town, you don't just stop there. The war's not over because you take a town, you move on through to the next town. But you don't want to be taking a town and then you move on over here and then your enemy comes back in and takes that other town from you. You want to be able to secure your gain. So it's like making money. Once you get your, you build your business, your income starts going up. You break through to uh, 10,000, uh, 
$20,000, $30,000 a month barrier. I remember when the first thought in my mind when my income went through the $20,000 barrier was I never want to be making less than $20,000 again the rest of my life. You know, that was, it was a goal. It's a dream come true. I'm grateful, but I don't want to go back. I want to go forward. So how can I use my time to move forward? So that put me in a frame of what can we do better? How can we expand our influence? How can we get more things done? And if you don't do those things, you get sloppy, then you'll roll back. And it's so annoying to have to rebuild. You know, building takes time, but it's so annoying. You know, if you've climbed up a mountain or you've, you've climbed up a flagpole, you don't want to lose your grip and, fl and, and slide back down to the bottom because you got sidetracked or a little tired. You want to finish and get all the way up there. And uh, the second time, it's much more annoying and uh, much harder. So you want, you, if you pay the price for success, you want to secure that by continuing to move forward. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that, that you used the word annoying because uh, that's so true. You, you, you say it's annoying because you know you're not going to give up. You're annoyed because, ah, oh, geez, now I'm going to have to do this all again. I'm not quitting. I'm still fighting. I've been knocked down, and I'm going to come back. I'm just annoyed that i got to do it again. That's a totally different way of looking at being knocked down. Well, when I went to Georgia Tech, uh, I found... You know, the course listings were all these incredible courses, but I found out the content of the courses didn't measure up. It was really a drag, really. And I knew I wasn't going to get the education I wanted. It wasn't going to be exciting. I was going to have a degree, but really it was like very dis discouraging, this whole college experience. And then I said to myself, I'm going to finish Georgia Tech because I want to get it over with. I don't want to leave and have people say to me the next 40 years, oh, you went to Georgia Tech, did you finish? No. And I make some excuse about, well, it wasn't what I wanted, I was just another thing. And they have in the back of their mind that I, wasn't, I just wasn't smart enough. It wasn't that it was hard, it was an annoying experience. And I just, I just stayed in there and got the degree, got it over with, so that I would not have that hanging over my head. A lot of things in life are obstacles between where you, where you want where you are now and where you want to go. Well, sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and fight your way through certain things to get them behind you in your rear view mirror so you can go on to the life or the things that are a whole lot more fun for you. You know, I was not a big academic person, but that was something I had to go through to position me uh you know, for the rest of my life. And so, you know, you, 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 you bite the bullet, you keep your head down and, and pretty soon it's behind you. If you just stay on track, the things that are unpleasant, a little tough, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be in your rear view mirror or you can try and cut corners, quit, give up, try and work around and avoid the work and then be having that in your face uh, the rest of your life. So I just prefer to deal with it and get it behind me. Let's talk a little bit about the book. It's it's broken up into these chapters. Is it a book that somebody can jump around in and say, you know what, I just want to get into Don't Quit, Adjust? Or should they kind of read the whole book and then go back to their favorite parts as needed? I'm not big on should. And uh, 
you know, the thing is, you do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And I wrote the book for uh, high achievers who are usually a little bit attention deficit. They're not, uh, ac- you know, they're not somebody who's going to sit down and do a lifetime study of the subject. They need some information, some input, some fresh ideas. And then they, then they, what happens is inside their mind, they get freed up and they want to dive in and go to work. You know, they want to get, because they're, is usually people have, uh, most people have, have been successful at one thing or another in their life. So they kind of have this stuff ingrained in them. And uh, uh, so maybe they might be stalled out at one particular area or the other. But I think, yeah, jump around, uh, just follow your, I think in life you're most powerful when you follow your natural curiosity. Mm. And uh, if your curiosity just leads you to one thing or another, it's funny in doing the interviews and talking with people, they'll usually have one particular part of the cycle that, that, you know, either the overdue or the finish or, you know, one aspect will stick out more than the other. And that's what they need. You know, they, they, they've already got the other stuff, pretty much got a good understanding of it. Um, if you are an overachiever and you're always doing stuff, you're evolving, you're, you're pushing and pushing, pushing, how important is it, once you've got your organization up and running, to have the right type of support staff to basically handle the stuff that you're not good at? Because let's face it, no businessman is great at everything. I think you need, you're going to be most productive when you spend the bulk of your time. We always get sidetracked and you can't be pure on this, but the more of your time you can spend on the things that only you can do. The way you become productive, uh, most productive, is spend your time on the things that only you can do, and you get help, you get support for all of the other things. Because usually you find there are people that are a whole lot better than all of those areas than you are anyway, and so why should you divert your attention uh, in the beginning, you're a one-man band, and you, you have to be to get started. But as quickly as possible, you like to get staff in place. You like to uh, uh, kind of standardize some of the sequences you're doing so you can get someone on board and teach them quickly how to do that, delegate it to them, and uh, free you up to for the more high-value type activities, which is the things that you enjoy doing more anyway. Mm. I'm curious, you know, does a person need to actually build a complete infrastructure these days or can they basically just do uh, partnerships or or automate uh, with all these amazing tools that we have available uh, compared to finding an office space and filling it full of a bunch of people? Well, I think what you've got to do is you've got to build a support system, but it doesn't have to be with an office full of people. The trouble is with an office full of people is that it, when you have them all together, you have the interactions that have to be managed and personality things and all of that. So you're going to have to be, to me, you're going to have to be on site or have someone on site to keep that mob of people working together fine-tuned and all. I like to be uh, more independent. And so, you know, the more you can outsource, the more you can automate, uh, the fewer people you can have involved at your core, the, the faster you can grow, the more productive you can be. I heard this 
phrase a long time ago, and I found it to be true, and that is no matter what the company, whatever the enterprise, whatever the revolution that's being run, usually there's just a few key people at the core, at the center, and, uh, you know, deciding, evaluating things, making the decisions. And so the, 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 the fewer people you can have at the core, the more productive and the faster moving you can be. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's that's one of the, the huge advantages any small or medium-sized company has uh, against large companies. They, they just have so much bureaucracy and they're, they're lumbering along. They cannot pivot. And that enables you to go in and, and steal part of their market share very, very easily. Yeah, a story I had, my picture of how you should run and be effective changed from the 80s to the 90s. Up in the 80s, I thought you're supposed to operate like this corporate CEO, walked around, no paper, no briefcase, had people around, anything you needed. You'd point to somebody and say, do this, or you'd ask them a question to somebody around who could give you what information you needed. And, uh, you know, you don't have uh, any pens, any papers. You just got staff around who does that for you, and you can move fast. You know, you're like the president of the United States. But then what happened, I... I got up to where I had like 16 people on my payroll, uh, just in my close staff. And then someone told, and, and I had computers in the office, but I used to say, I have computers, uh, but I've never been personally introduced to one, you know? And <laughs> I would walk down the hallway and glance inside a room and see a computer in there and think, well, that's interesting. But, uh, you know, I, I had no interaction with the computers. So, then I heard the story of the guy, someone said they saw this, this small, slight uh, Japanese fellow in a nice suit at the uh, airport waiting on a plane, and he was over in the corner and working on a laptop, a Toshiba laptop. And so they started a conversation with it. It turned out it was whoever at the time was CEO of Toshiba Worldwide. And this guy, on his laptop, he, he had all the data. He could keep up with their tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people and thousands of offices all over the globe because all of that information came into his laptop and he could keep his finger in the pulse. And I said, you know what? That's my new model because, uh, you know, I'm tired of calling the office and having to go through the switchboard and wait for my assistant to get on and then asking her for a number or a piece of information, and then she puts me on hold while she finds it, and then for some reason she can't find it, she'll have to call me back. And, you know, it's just like, you know, I got to learn how computers work. I got to get up to the point where I can carry this stuff, have an instant office with me. And so I learned computers and got rid of the 16 people and went back to, uh, you know, one, two, three. And so that's really, I think, the way we can operate uh, in in this world today is use the technology to leverage yourself. Mm. I wanted to ask you, you know, when you were putting the book together, what was for you an aha moment where, where you knew it was a reality, but it really came home and said, wow, this is a truism for me? Well, one thing was in finishing the book, you know, I had a, uh, well, I won't get into the whole thing, but <laughs> I, I got, uh, I had a uh, accident that has shut me down for several years. And I, one of the reasons I never thought I would write, but I figured I, I need an outlet. And so I started writing and one book went to another. And uh, pretty soon I had like 30 or 40 
quote unquote books that were about 60% done, but I could never get myself to finish them. Mm -hmm. And so when I brought in uh, some people to help me work through that problem, and we started saying, well, what are the important things? You know, how can we help people go from almost doing things to actually getting things done? How can we help people that are capable of greatness, but for some reason they're all bound up? Or maybe they won once or two or three times in their life, but they just cannot turn that into a lifetime of winning. How, what kind of help can we offer there? So it was really only after I got to the end of the fifth uh, you know, end of the end of the book and the kind of the five steps that it dawned on me, this is a cycle. And that speaks to what you started off the conversation with. You got to get going because, uh, you know, you have uh, an idea of how it should turn out, but you're never going to know until you get way down the road. And so the title of the book totally changed from when I started to where I ended, and that was pretty much the the aha moment that these things turn into a cycle of success. That when you complete one one big project that you're excited about in your life, if you understand, you have the perspective that you can use that uh, rather than to be the mountain that you climbed and then you go back down and live with the uh, in the valley the rest of your life. You can use that to propel you to bigger and bigger achievements. In your life, you know, if you if you take advantage of that that success, and, and it turns into a cycle. So that was probably the big aha for me. You know, when we were, were mentioning that that explanation right there, I used this term, and I think it's very indicative of this philosophy of business: is working through a problem. It's you're all about momentum, about not stopping. You know, the eighty twenty rule. Once you get the momentum up, you're only really using twenty percent of your energy. If you stop, you got to put a ton of energy to get the damn thing going again. We used to use the example. I mean, I've used this example for forty years. I've never had anybody argue with me, but. You know, the idea we used to say it would take 2,000, overcoming inertia and getting started is what you're talking about. When you have, when you're going, you, you, you're past the overcoming inertia stage. We used to say 2,000 pounds of pressure, it'll take 2,000 pounds of pressure to move a locomotive the first inch. But then once you have it moving, the 2,000 pounds of pressure will move it a mile. And that's the advantage of momentum. Uh, let's talk a little bit about um your graphic that you have throughout the book. I mean, it, it's it's amazing. And I'm just going to describe for our listeners. Basically, it's five arrows. It's got the one at the top is decide. The next one is overdue. The next one is adjust. The next one is finish. And then the next one is keep improving. And then you're back to number one, which is decide again. So this is the cycle of winning. Let's talk about that cycle a little bit more. The uh, I wanted the idea for the diagrams. I wanted to have something that would tie the book together, so it wouldn't be so many times in life. You learn techniques, ideas, concepts. Again, the quotes, but they're like trinkets, uh, decorations of a Christmas tree, and 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 lights and garland and everything. But it's all in a big heap. It has no shape. It has no purpose. One doesn't flow to the other. As a result, it's hard to remember this stuff. And that's why you see people will re re read endless books about sales and leadership and management and accomplishing. Uh, they're learning all kind of great stuff, but it doesn't come into something that can become a pattern for living. They don't have the framework. So I want to give people a framework for success that 
would allow them to understand the the uh, you know a cycle to where they would understand where a lot of these ideas they could use them recall them and uh, know how to make it pay off for them so that was the idea of the cycle okay so what I wanted to uh, actually delve into now was do you think that the cycle can start halfway through a cycle well I think life is not a straight line mm-hmm. and uh, you have to go with with what you could get excited about. So many of us, we have worked on a lot of projects and got them as far as we can go. And, uh, you know, one idea could relaunch it all over again, you know, or get you going. I know that one of my uh, uh, best friends, when the book came out, gave it to his nephew. And he called me back and he said, he told the nephew, read chapter three about adjusting. Because a kid was 30 years old, had done a lot of things, but he was kind of stalled out in his life and uh, could not really capitalize on a lot of the things he had started. And so he read, he read the, the, the third chapter there, and he told his, uh, his uncle, he said, you know, thanks so much. He said, I got exactly what I needed. You know, I thought, I thought I'd hit a roadblock, and now... I realize all I need to do is to make a few simple adjustments. And once I realized that, they popped the adjustments I needed to make or I could make popped into my head. But I just thought that I'd run into a brick wall. And when the idea came to me, no, uh, you know, that's just a that that's not a brick wall. That's just that, that's that's just telling you uh, you need to come up with another way around. It's like a uh, stall car on the highway that's got traffic block. You know, you get off and you find another way to uh, work. And uh, you know, there's a lot of roads out there. You don't have to just go down one road. So he, uh, you know, right there, it was just one thing. Or a lot of people I'll find they're so close on many projects, but they kind of lost the energy or started to run out of the energy to finish. And just getting that finished uh, concept in their head that this is a phenomena everybody runs into, and the way you deal with it is you, you, know, you kind of clear the decks, you lock in on a just getting through that finish line, and you say to yourself, you're not going to waste all the time and energy and effort you put in up to that point, that there's no, no prize for almost crossing the... F- you know, there's no T-shirt for running 20, 25 miles of a marathon. You want the T-shirt, you got to tw- go 26.3 miles. And so there's no T-shirt or award for almost doing something. You know, at the, it's your eulogy. They're not going to say, you know, here's a guy. Wow, what a talented guy. He almost really did some stuff. You know, he almost... <laughs> He, he almost was president of his company. He almost graduated from school. He almost uh, started a business. You know, he al- almost uh, discovered the cure for cancer. So, I mean, he, he worked in all these things. He, he just, a lot of stuff he almost did. What a guy. That, nobody talks about that. They talk about the stuff you did. When you were just uh, talking there, you uh, you were talking about the you know the last two percent, the last one percent, and and in the book that's entitled "Focus, Focus, Focus." Um, how important is it to understand that you're you're on the cusp of success and to push through so hard at that point because it's that last one percent that kills most people? Well, usually when you're going for something, you've put other things on hold in your life a little bit at least, so you could put extra time into this project. Uh, you've been working on it for quite a while. The thrill of it is not is 
the same as it was in the beginning. You know, your visions of sugar plum. I'm going to go and learn a language or go do so this, that, and the other and uh, learn how to play the guitar or whatever the deal is. You know, everybody likes to start stuff. But uh, when you get down to the actual finishing, you know, you burned off a lot of your cash, you burned off a lot of your energy and enthusiasm, and it's easy, you're so susceptible at that point to start turning into an ancient Greek philosopher and start thinking about stuff. I wonder if this was wise. I wonder if this is really worth what it is. I wonder if I should have really done... No, you're way past that point. You're too far in to start rethinking it. Finish it, and you can you can chew on that stuff after you get through the finish line. And uh, so you're, you, you just need... Once, once you've been through this thing, you, you know how to coach yourself. But if you haven't been through it, you're susceptible to the syndrome of your mind wandering. It's like climb uh, Mount Everest. The air is very thin, not much oxygen. So you have the tanks. And people have actually climbed that, that I've talked about, that, that have taught, you know, that have some experience with this, tell me that they plan, they take, that, uh, you know, more breaks on the way to the summit. You know, they'll climb for less time and they'll have more rest periods because they know it's, they only, yeah, I've got less and less and less energy and they can't let themselves get strung out because then they'll lose their mind and quit. So as you get closer to the finish line, uh, you don't want to let yourself get tricked into getting sidetracked and not finishing because, you know, this whole thing, just keep on track, just coasting, and I'll get there. Well, it's an optical illusion because if you look at every, to finish everything, there's going to be one last challenge at the end, something that will come out that will be one last hurdle that you're going to have to deal with. And when you're mentally tired and exhausted, you, you're saying, oh, that, it's, the tendency is to say, that does it. You know, I thought I was, had put, put all the work in now. I was just close to the finish line, but now I got to deal with this. Forget it. But if you, if you look at it unemotionally and just say, one more thing, one more adjustment, be patient, you'll get there because every mountain, if you look at all the mountains in the world, 99% of the, the top mountains that have the best views have a little summit. They go up to a peak. You know, they don't, they don't flatten out at the top. They go up to a peak. So if you want to climb the really great things, the great accomplishments in life, right at the end, it's going to get a little tougher. And uh, 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 so, But if you keep yourself together, it, in a short period of time, you'll be there. And so... It's important that you understand the psychology of finishing because it's so easy to get tricked into getting almost there. And that's why there's so many people that almost do things and very few that actually do them. And that is such a hard thing to do. I think the thing, too, is also to look back at your past and uh, revisit when you have been successful and, and have done something and realize that, you know, you have done it before. It's not like the first time you're climbing the mountain. And the more times that you're able to reach that point and actually get through that last 1%, it becomes easier and easier for you to step away from it and say, oh, yeah, I've done this before. I can just do it again. And that is where um, experience really comes into play. Absolutely. Absolutely. For our listening audience, what is one thing that they can do today to help them start the path to procure towards becoming a, a serial winner, obviously, other than buying the book? Most of us are in life. It's a funny thing. No matter how confused we are, uh, we always seem to know where the next step is, you know? 
And you can get frustrated, say, I'm confused, I'm frustrated, I have no idea, you know, I've run out of people to talk to, run out of ideas. But usually that's not the case. Usually there's at least one more thing, one more step, one more piece of information, one more action that you can take to get you closer, get you going to unravel the mystery of uh, your future and your direction and are getting the answers you need. And if you take that one step, you find often you find the whole dynamic changes because just your whole perspective, you can see things a little bit different. And so now the thing that I would say what we can all do is keep moving forward. Even if it's only one step, move forward and see where your life looks like there. Because really, going through life is not a dead sprint. It's continuing to walk and move forward. And it's not being a superhuman or a super genius. It's continuing to march forward and doing what you can right now today with what you know, with the skills, the contacts, and abilities you have, move yourself forward at least one step. We've been talking with Larry Wydell, serial winner, five actions to create your cycle of success. Uh, a great book, an easy read, and, and really it does have amazing momentum. Even if you start the book in the middle, suddenly you're, you're, you're in and you want to go to the beginning and start from the, from the front. Larry, thanks for being on the show. Great. I've enjoyed it. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the show. And don't forget to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Like us at Facebook forward slash Business Book Talk. Follow the host on Twitter at Bob Garlic. Visit the website businessbooktalk.com for show notes and lots of other great interviews. See you next week.